Gracious Father, we take just a moment to recognize and honor your presence with us in the Holy Spirit today. Lord, it's only when you are here doing a work that your word can be received as seed deep into a soil of our hearts and produce the fruit that you intended to. So open us up, Lord, tenderize our hearts, make us fertile soil to receive everything that you desire to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you in the house of God. You know, some just had this thought um, a few minutes ago that the Lord just said, everybody that I want to be in this house today is here. Hallelujah. That is such an, that so encourages me because it reminds me that God always has something to speak for the individuals who are gathered in the room to open their ears and their hearts to him. Amen. When I was growing up, some of you don't know this, but my dad was actually in ministry for a while in a church leadership. And I always remember my dad's prayers. Because I could hear him in the, if we were at the church, he'd be in his office, but if we were at home, he'd be in, a, in, in his bedroom. And I could hear him praying and crying out to God, sometimes weeping for hours. And, I, and I'll never, ever forget that. Because when someone prays with such passion and fervency, you pay attention. You know, there's people, when I hear them pray, I think, they know the Lord. They know the Lord. When Jesus' disciples watched him pray, and we know they did because the gospel authors must have got some details from the disciples because they tell us really interesting little details about Jesus' prayer life. Uh, For instance, in Mark chapter 1, we read this, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Or in Luke chapter 5, we read, Even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Luke also tells us, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So they saw something in him, and they wanted to learn to pray like him. Uh, Luke's gospel today says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, can you imagine watching Jesus pray, given what we just read about him and waiting for him to finish? You know, Peter and John are over on the side and they're watching him. And they're like, oh, John, I think he's almost done. It sounds like he's starting to wrap it up. Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Now he's going back at it again. Oh, it's, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> But they saw something in Jesus' prayer life that was attractive and inspiring to them. And I would suggest to you today that what they saw that was so appealing to them that they wanted to have for themselves was his intimate communion with the Father. That was clearly on display in the way he prayed with such passion and intimacy and fervency. As if he knew intimately the one he prayed to. So today what we're going to do is, uh, the sermon t- is today is prayer lessons from Jesus. So we're going to take prayer lesson from Jesus and see how he responds to this request from his disciples. As you know, the first four verses of Luke are what we call the Lord's Prayer. Luke's version is a little bit shorter than Matthew. Uh, and or we call the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not going to actually say much about this portion of the reading because I'm just not going to preach on the Lord's Prayer today. But I am going to say one thing about it. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. 
You see, he invites them to use the same term, the same intimate term that he uses to address God. Now, they were accustomed to using Lord and God and Most High and Holy One of Israel, but not Father. It's such a tender word in the Aramaic, Abba, which is like what a little kid says when they get up and they say, Daddy, Daddy, like in their lap. That's just like the tenderness of the term. You know, every time my daughter says, Papa, you know, she's like getting ready to ask me a question, she immediately has my attention. Right? It's a tender moment in which I'm, I'm, I'm programmed to eagerly respond with gentleness to my children because of my love for them. Now, and yet some of us, we come to God in prayer as if He's a person we've never met before. Um, uh, God, if you're listening, um, I was wondering if maybe you could help me with this job that I need to get. You know, it's just, it's just like there's no tenderness or intimacy in the relationship. It's like a prayer is like getting called in. It's like we act like we're getting called into the principal's office. Now, you, you would never believe this about me, but I was sort of a troublemaker in grade school. And we had this principal. I went to this private Lutheran school. And we had this principal named Mr. Schwerin. And uh, when, when you were in trouble, the teacher had phoned down to the office. Um, Mr. Schwerin would crack open the door to the room and he'd look at the ones that he wanted and he'd go like this with his two fingers. And it was like, oh boy. Because you were going to his, you were going to his office and it was not going to be good. And, and some of us are like thinking about prayer, like we're going to the principal's office and God is going to, you know, scold us or maybe listen to us if we explain ourselves. You see, the pews of our churches today are filled with people who simply just don't know how to re- relate to God. Now, this isn't a scolding. This is just the truth. And G- but Jesus is going to help us out with this, okay? Jesus is going to help us to know how to have the intimacy that we need to have in our prayer closet. You see, First thing is this, to have a flourishing prayer life, it's essential that we have a burning conviction in our hearts that God is good. Not just some of the time, not just most of the time, but all of the time. Do you know that God is in a good mood right now? You see, because no no evil thing can actually get him upset because he's sovereign and his purposes will always prevail. God is always in a good mood. Now, it's fascinating to me That Jesus' response to his disciples' request to teach them to pray actually consists of very little form of prayer and actually he spends the whole explanation saying something about the character of God and what he's like. You see, it's so much more important for us to understand rather than understand the logistics in the form of prayer to have the right view of God. Because if we don't have the right view of God, we will not want to pray. And, and some of us have a malnourished, deficient view of God, and thus our prayer life suffer and uh, suffer a deficit because of it. So let's look at what Jesus has to say about the nature and character of God when it comes to prayer. He tells a parable of what we call the parable of the friend at midnight. This is a fun little parable. This traveler shows up at midnight, presumably to avoid the hot sun of the day, and he's hungry. Now, in a village in the ancient world, hospitality was expected, and so it, it, it was... Um, the, the man who he, whose house he comes to, he doesn't have any bread. And so he says, I got to go to the neighbor's house because I could smell the fresh bread baking over there today. And he knocks on the door and the guy says, go away. I'm in bed with my kids. That was the, they had, they had these big pallets that they all slept on on the floor. He says, go away. The door's locked and I'm already in bed with my kids. Now we read this. Jesus says, I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, 
Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now we're going to get nerdy for a second because there's a textual issue, a biblical textual issue going on in this passage. The word persistence is a bad translation. Now you would think it makes sense. Jesus must be telling them about being persistent in prayer. Therefore, the friend who's being persistent at the door to get the bread is supposed to be us being persistent at heaven's door knocking to get our needs met. However, a history of the word's usage in the Greek language, of which our New Testament was written in Greek, we all know that, right, reveals that this word, anedeia is the Greek word, was always used negatively, not positively, in the Greek language. And so the accurate definition of this word in which it was normally used was shamelessness or impudence, and it was in a negative sense. I know you're wondering why in the world am I going on this rabbit trail, but I promise there's a point. So it actually says, but because of his shamelessness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. You know what it's saying? Because he's annoying, he's just going to get up and give him what he needs. Now, why do I go into all of this nonsense? Who cares? The point is this. This little parable that Jesus is teaching is not primarily about persistence in prayer, but about, it's what scholars call a how much more parable, meaning how much more eager our Father in heaven is to answer our prayers than an earthly friend who is simply annoyed. Right? I mean, I that was big for me too when I learned that. But this is an important point. Because we can get all too wrapped up in our methods and our manners of prayer and really trying to work up. And we talked last week about the constipation phase, really trying to work up the seriousness of our prayers so that God will hear them. We can get so wrapped up on our methods and manners of prayer on our end of things and lose sight of what will actually inspire healthy prayer, which is a proper view of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is saying, if this friend who's just annoyed will actually give him what he needs, how much more will your good father actually supply for your needs happily. Now look at what Jesus says next. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now ask, search and knock. These are present imperatives in the Greek. And so there's like a continuous sense, right? Be asking, Be knocking, be searching. Jesus is giving us permission. In fact, he's encouraging us to make coming to God with our requests a way of life. How many of you have said or have heard someone says, I don't want to bother him with my little need. Jesus actually says he wants to be bothered with your little need because he's a daddy who wants to take care of you. Now, to hammer the point, Jesus gives us another how much more lesson, right? He goes on and he says, who of you, what father among you, if his kid asks him for a fish, is going to give him a snake, right? Why would you, you're going to give him something deadly instead of the, the fish that he's hungry for? Or if he asks for an egg, you're going to give him some kind of scorpion that's going to like harm him. My son, who's one, um, 
he can't talk yet, but he's learned how to point at things and let us know what he wants. And he makes these kind of like grunting noises. He, he does it with his little water cup sometimes when it's up on the counter. He like, he like stumbles up to it and he's like, that, that, that. Now imagine that I see that, you know, and it's like heart melting, right? Imagine that I see that and instead of giving his water bottle, I take a steak knife out of the night graph and I say, here, go play. That's ludicrous, right? That's exactly Jesus's point. He's using hyperbole to get his point across. The Father hears our requests, and He will answer them in accordance with His benevolent will. You, you know that God has answered more prayers of ours than we realize? Just think for a minute. When's the last time, I'm preaching to myself here too, when's the last time you sat down with a pen and paper and you thought through all of the things God had provided that you have prayed for in the last few months? Right? Right? It's such a powerful practice because it reminds us, not only does it honor God, it reminds us of his faithfulness and what he provides for us on a daily basis, right? Now, we get to this last verse in uh, our passage today, and Jesus, he says, sums it all up very interestingly. He says, if you then, who are evil, right, less than good, even you know how to give good gifts to your children, right? Even, even, even I know how to give my son his water bottle with compassion. If you know how to do that, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, whoa, Jesus, you just like threw a wrench in our gears. What? We're just asking for gifts and things. What? This is interesting, isn't it? Why does He say, Give the Holy Spirit. Why doesn't he just say, give good gifts? Because in Matthew's version of the story, he does. I think there's a reason. Because along with the good gifts that he gives in answering our prayers, the Father gives us his Holy Spirit. That is his personal, powerful, life-giving presence. The comforter, the advocate, the helper. This is Jesus reminding us that the ultimate gift that our Father gives us is relationship with himself. He gives us his very person and his very presence. Now, there's a few things to consider and to say about all this. Just for a moment, I want to talk about praying according to the will of God. What does it mean to pray according to the will of God? Jesus is not telling us like... um, he's not telling us to have a mindset of like, I'll get anything I ask for because I'm just like, God is good and I just get whatever I want, right? He's not telling us that. Sometimes we ask for things that God knows should be withheld from us for our own good, right? But you see, God always answers prayer in accordance with his good and perfect will. Remember, God is always good. Right? He doesn't have a little bad part of his will that he sometimes lets loose and decides he's not going to answer your prayer or do something mean and respond in a, in a bad way to your prayer. First John chapter 5 tells us this. This is the confidence we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Right? So there's a faith element there too. There's an absolute radical confidence that he will provide what we need when we ask. Now, there's a matter of faith here because some of us sitting in this room today are thinking, 
but, 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 I have asked and asked and asked, and it has to be in accordance with his will because it's a good thing, and I'm desperate for it, and yet it hasn't been answered. I don't have an easy answer for that question other than prayer and what happens in our prayer closet is primarily about God's relationship with us and our relationship with God. And I don't want to paint a picture of prayer that God's going to kind of withhold treats from you or he's dangling a carrot in front of you because he wants you to have a better prayer life. But I do want to say to you, that there is always great room for growth in our intimacy with God. And when we neglect that, it's going to be hard because we, we, we are in a sense closing channels through which God can communicate himself and his good gifts to us because we're not actually making an effort to consecrate our lives to him in that place of privacy. Now, some of us have thought about prayer in a formulaic way. I've got to do 15 minutes here, and I've got to say, I've got to, you know, the Acts, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication, and I've got it all figured out, and all of this. You see, I heard something yesterday that rocked my world. A person said, God will not share the throne of your heart with a principle or a formula, because what he wants to give you is a person, the man, Jesus Christ. And so when we actually step into that place, and prayer is a place, it's not a method or just even a means of communication, it's actually a place where we go and we bask in the presence of Jesus. Remember that saying A.W. Tozer, he said, the doorway between heaven and earth is always open and we just need to step through it. You see, he's there waiting always. And how often do we leave him grieved because we fail to step through? And he waits and he waits and he waits to no avail for us, his bride, his precious bride that he's cleansed with the price of his own blood. So prayer is about a person more than it is about a method. You see, it's about drawing close to this person who desires us to always live in his presence with undying, unrelenting devotion to him. Now, a couple things to think about. God's ways are higher than our ways, right? We're dealing with the question of unanswered prayer. Isaiah 55, you've all heard it before. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts, right? You know that when scientists measure the universe, they do it in light years, right? That's a really big measuring stick that you need. And so they do it in light years, and light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So in one year, let me just give you the, 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 the data here. In one year, light travels 5,865,696,000,000 miles. It's incomprehensible, and that's a measurement within the universe. And God says there's more distance between his wisdom and ours. We cannot comprehend how infinitely wise and good he is. You know, everybody says, what's the whole purpose of the book of Job? What's it trying to teach us? The whole book of God allowing Job to go through so much suffering, even though he restores it tenfold in the end, is, is, is not so much about suffering for the sake of reward. The book of Job is about God and his infinite wisdom. 
is so beyond what we can comprehend and his ways are so beyond what we can comprehend. You see, Job comes to this realization and and God speaks to him out of the, the whirlwind and he says, now my eyes have seen because the Lord revealed himself to Job. Now I see how infinite and grand you are. You see, and so our Father is good and compassionate and eager to hear our prayers. But sometimes they go unanswered because of an issue with our intimacy with him or lack thereof or our lack of faith. Sometimes they go unanswered for reasons which we just don't know. But what we have to trust to continue in prayer and to persevere in prayer is that he is infinitely good. He's infinitely good. Now, here's the other thing that I want to say about prayer before we come to close. Prayer is spiritual warfare. The, 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 Satan's sole tactic is to keep Christians out of their prayer closet. So many people, so many people who have fallen away from the Lord, do you know where it starts? They stop praying. The prayer life just dwindles down to nothing. And when you don't have the communion anymore, you don't have the fellowship, you don't have the relationship, you're going to go look for fulfillment in other things and turn away from him. Now, this is, I'm, I'm speaking this in love, but it's a serious thing that we need to remember and recall to mind. St. Paul says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't have human enemies, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, you see, those, those spiritual forces... Um, you don't need to understand everything about them. It doesn't really matter. But what you need to know is that what they want to do is disturb your prayer life and keep you from entering that prayer closet because they don't want you to have intimacy with the Father. And so, you know, for every promise that Jesus makes about prayer, every good promise that he tells us about the goodness of the Father, there's a contradictory opposing thought from the enemy who wants you to disbelieve God. God doesn't have time for your stupid little request. Some of us get, we, some of us feed these thoughts. God is angry with you right now, so don't provoke him. You haven't taken care of that issue yet, so come back to God later after you've sorted that out. God, God needs more time to think about whether or not he's going to forgive you because you keep falling into this same sin. You don't belong to God. Some of us, we feed it. We buy into that, those lies. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He has won the victory. And we have to stand in his victory. And remember who we are, sons and daughters. Remember the serpent in the garden? He says to Eve, did God really say? This is how humanity is brought to fall away from the presence of God is because the enemy convinces them that God's word was not good and that there was something better. See, it's spiritual warfare. When we step into that place of prayer, we have to fight for our identity in Jesus and we have to stand in his victory that we are sons and daughters, beloved of the Father. Paul says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. Up there for his, from his perspective, we are royal sons and daughters. And he is eager for intimacy with us. I heard a quote the other day that blew my mind. I can't afford to have a thought in my head about me that God doesn't have about me. And there's, there's such a struggle for some of us with thoughts of condemnation and self-accusation and judgment. And those are not coming from the Lord. Because when thoughts like that come, what do they do? They can often cause you to run away from God 
and to abandon your prayer life because you feel like you're not good enough. And what God wants when we have those thoughts and when it's true conviction of the Holy Spirit about real sin in our life, it drives us to him and into his arms where he says, I want to pour out grace upon you. You're my child. I want to forgive you and pick you back up off your feet and be your strength. Daniel, this is last demonstration on the spiritual warfare thing. Daniel was uh, a prayer warrior. Just read this book recently, read through the book of Daniel, and it just um, reminds me of how much farther I have to go in my own intimacy with the Father. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was a man of fasting and prayer. His life was consecrated to the Lord amidst great difficulties, right? Has Has anybody in this room been thrown into a lion's den and made it out alive, right? Yeah, they're not here. Um, Daniel went through a lot, but he remained committed and he would not let anything pull him away from going into the presence of God three times a day, even when his enemies got the king to give an edict that would say anybody who did that would be thrown into the lion's den. So Daniel in chapter 10, he's been praying, right? He's been praying on behalf of his people, Israel, and there's this interesting little scene. This figure shows up and he has a vision. He says, behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Would that we hear those own words spoken over us in our prayer lives. Oh, man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. You see, some of us walk away often from that place of prayer and think, was I heard? Now listen, spiritual warfare. This is what the angel tells him. The prince of the kingdom of Persia. This is a, this is a enemy, a spiritual being who is an enemy. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Who's Michael? An archangel, right? For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. See, there is this realm that we do not see. <laughs> And when we pray, we're praying up into that realm and we're asking the Lord of heaven and earth to commission his angels and his archangels on our behalf, right? This angel who came to Daniel to assure him of God's purposes being worked out and that God loved him and heard his prayers was in a battle for 21 days with a demonic entity, right? There are angels and demons battling. If you don't believe that, I'm sorry that you don't, but your Christian life is going to suffer if you don't believe that because we, what we are engaged in is real warfare but guess what and here's where i want to draw it to a close when we enter into that place of prayer where there's that good father waiting for us to point at that water bottle that we need and just make whatever noises we can make right that's how we pray and it's beautiful in his sight we must have confidence that the victory has been won on the cross of jesus We heard that from Paul in Colossians 2 today. He said he took 
the record that stood against us. That's the list of all of your sins. Man, would that be a long one for some of us, wouldn't it? (laughs) Me being the chief of sinners. And he says he took it and he nailed it. When they nailed his hands in the cross, he nailed your debt of sin. Every single one that you've committed and that you committed this morning. And he nailed it to the cross and he poured out his blood so that there would be forgiveness always no matter how many times you fall he will pick you back up and cleanse you with his precious blood and say you are my son you are my daughter enter into the joy of my presence here's what I want us to do just a little uh, mental prayer practice together our musicians are gonna uh, come and just kind of play for us for a moment before we get into our worship song. I want us to really take these words of Jesus seriously about the goodness of our Heavenly Father and believe that we have His ear. And so what I want you to do, I want everybody to just close their eyes for a minute. I want you to think of one big thing in your life, not someone else's life. One big thing in your life where you need a miracle or provision or wisdom from God, some kind of a breakthrough. And I want you to hold it in your mind just as a single word or phrase and just hold it there. And I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that the Father would do something in this room this morning. Father, we come to you as beloved sons and daughters. Help us to believe that, Lord. Help us to take, we ask that you take every image away from us that we have of ourselves that you don't believe about us. We cry out to you, Lord. Cleanse every sin in this room right now, Lord, so there's just no fear to approach your throne. And Lord, we stand in the confidence and the victory of your Son who reigns on high with you in glory. And we ask God for healing to be released in this room right now. We pray for oppression to be broken from this room right now. We pray for depression to be broken, anxiety to be broken from this room right now, God. We pray for a breakthrough of joy that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these beloved sons and daughters. Lord, we're needy, all of us, we're needy. And we have your attention. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just release upon us whether whatever it is that we're holding in our minds, Lord, is healing for our bodies or some area of our finances where we're struggling or some relationship that is broken or some kind of grief that just feels buried so deep within us that we feel like it'll never be uprooted. God, we pray that you would just lift things, that you would lift things in your room. Holy Spirit, just touch your people right now. We love you. We honor you. Lord, we want to encounter you when we come to church, Lord. We don't want to just come here and do religion. We want to know that we've been touched by your hand. So I pray that you just release your goodness across this room, Lord, right now. Lord, where there are tears that need to flow, just let those tears flow. Lord, where there's laughter or joy that needs to be expressed, just let it, let it be expressed. We're in the presence of Abba. Jesus, you are worthy. And we have all that we have as sons and daughters of the Father because you are the Son who gave your life for us. And your word says that he who did not withhold his own Son for us, will he not with him also give us everything? So we trust in those promises, Lord. 
that we have been made pure by your precious blood and that we are welcome in your presence. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you release upon us today. In Jesus' name, amen.